you party people. Welcome to another shocking edition of ARG Presents. I'm your boy, your good buddy, Amigo Aaron, joined by a man who would love to play four-player games if only he could find three other friends. So sad. I give you the Brent. Actually, I would rather just have four friends and just watch them play. Oh, there you go. This may be why you don't have the friends right there, because <laughs> of your horrible, stupid attitude. So, yeah, Brent, how's it I, going this week? I had to do week? the uh, double ear protection this week, because oh my god, those racing What's, trucks, man, they're loud. What is that? Is that what you've got going on over there? It looks like your head is slowly widening, <laughs> which does make some sense, given your ego. So, Brent, show, Brent showed off the new headphones. They look good. Aww. Show them the show them the retractable gimmick. Well, I'm afraid if I pop it out, the mic... Skype will stupidly think that's the mic it wants to oh use. Oh my gosh! Well, but it's, still, it's, it, it's up in here, hidden away. Looking good, looking good. If only you could get a new face. Me too, I guess. So last week, holy smokes, it was a happening, Brent. Uh, if you didn't join us, uh, we didn't spin the wheel last week. Well, we did, but we did make the big, <laughs> huge eight-hour deal. It all went down at the Thanks for Giving Marathon, Brent. Eight consecutive. Uninterrupted hours of hot, hot, woo, incredibly hot ARG action, including four straight hours of of the most cutting-edge remote gaming you ever did see, and several shows sprinkled in along the way. Some good times. What were your... Well, you've had a week to digest it, Brett. What are your thoughts on how the Thanks for Green Marathon went down this year? Uh, You know, <laughs> we... When the show opened and we immediately had problems yeah. behind the scenes, I knew we were in for a good one. Uh, but everyone seemed to enjoy it. We had a lot of people show up, had a lot of uh, 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 people enjoying the entertainment, and, and we got to play some fun games and uh, sprinkled in some retro arch cutting edge action there. So I, I thought it was a good time. Good time had by all. It was beyond the cutting edge because it could have failed at any moment. What are you talking about? It failed at <laughs> it every did, moment. It did. For those, I mean, you couldn't see behind the scenes, but as we started th- the very first minute of the show, bef- the the three previous minutes had been wondering why Retro Arch would not work at all, <laughs> and the entire show hinged on us playing it for many many hours. So we were up against it. That's what our share. But we had a good time. Uh, we had a lot of fun actually. I mean, it, actually, with the exception of that, it went pretty smooth. And we did squeeze four hours, straight up, four hours of retro gameplay on RetroArch on Steam. Uh, if you are interested in going back and reliving the magic or you haven't seen it, uh, you can check us out on our YouTube channel, uh, uh, the Amigos Retro Gaming channel. We do, in fact, have a condensed four-hour block of gameplay. We also have, uh, you can watch the uh, the festivities in their entirety on uh, Twitch, which is it's available uh, whenever you want. Now, so much for that. At the end of that show, Brent, we did spin the wheel yes. as we are wont to do. We did make the exciting deal. And this week, my friend, we will be playing games of the four player variety. Four player, not the horseman this time, but straight up four people could play these games, Brent. There were some interesting choices here. Uh, there were a lot of games that are four player uh, uh, specialities. There's a plus of just games that have up to four players. What do you would would you play a multiplayer game like this? What do you look for? I mean, what what tickles your fancy uh, in a four player game, Brent? Well, I actually play a four player game uh, <laughs> of the modern era stuff uh, every Wednesday with our gaming group, 
And we really, you know, we want something that is engaging, uh, something we can put several weeks into, um, a, a, a something where you can grow a character type thing, which in the four-player era of retro gaming, that does happen, but not nearly as much as it does nowadays. Uh, multiplayer gaming has really come on it, come in its own in the last, say, ten years, uh, especially with the advent of internet play, and it really allows you to uh, sp- stretch the horizon of what's possible on multiplayer gaming. I mean, look at MMOs. I guess they're, you know, 30 years out at this point from their inception uh, where you've got hundreds of players going. So when you look back, you've got the gamut of single-player games and two-player games all the way up to these hundred-player massive or thousands of players massive games. And now we're starting to condense things back down. You'll see a lot of games that come anymore that are... Uh, co-op focused especially seem to focus right in that four player range you know i'm old school as you know i like some good old four player arcade action and there have been a ton of great ones i was it's funny as i was thinking as i was putting this together what what four player uh, you know and and less games that i, I dug over the years and <clears throat> just the ones that come up to my head immediately are games like uh, wrestlefest Games like uh, uh, NBA Jam, uh, games that are uh, are fighting games, or you know, beat 'em ups like your, uh, uh, like say The Simpsons, or uh, something like an X Men, which is I think it was X Men came in flavors of two, four, and is that eight, eight or was it? Could, was there a six in there? I can't remember. I don't it's recall a six. We owned an X Men game, and and it was if there that. Uh, that uh, player, uh, the player amount is basically hardwired into the board. So effectively, you have to get different boards for different player levels. Yep. A little something there. I, I thought that was stupid. Your Tenzu Ninja Turtles, you know, Cowboys and Moon Mesa. I like those kind of games. When you get when you get four players involved in a beat 'em up, it actually takes the beat 'em up to a more fun level. Beat 'em ups. If you just go there by yourself, it's not even close to as much fun, is it? You get four well, people in there, you're having a good time crowded around in an arcade machine. That's good stuff. I do agree that for beat 'em ups, uh, more players uh, enhance the game. But also, beat 'em ups, you almost feel like outside of fighting up the bosses and whatnot, you almost feel like you're kind of doing your own thing. Because, of course, they add more enemies, which means you are fighting your guy and your buddies are fighting their guy. When you uh, expand it a little bit, maybe have like The Simpsons, you were able to do team attacks. I thought that yeah, was a better that use was good. of the four-player environment. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I liked uh, um, I, I like games where you can team up, but it's also neat when you're playing a four-player game and you're competing to a certain degree against the other players. And, and I'll use the Gauntlets for example, where you're vying for you know power-ups and food, which a lot of them are like that. But Gauntlet's the first one. I, I think Gauntlet maybe I'm trying to think. Is, uh, Gauntlet was one of the first four-player games of that variety. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about a, a four player game today that predates Gauntlet by a good a good ways, uh, but I'll, Gauntlet was sort of like really set the tone for what those sorts of games are gonna be like in a lot of ways, the beat 'em ups and whatnot. And it was a 
It was a quarter sucking machine. So clearly yeah. it worked. And why not suck the quarters out of four people instead of just one or two? It was yes, a brilliant it. strategy. <laughs> you know, uh, what about the home market? I mean, you mentioned MMOs. Uh, were there any uh, any home <clears throat> like PC or console four player games that tickled your fancy? I can think of a couple just right off the top of my head. Uh, one would be Worms. We used to play Worms on the Dreamcast, like ad nauseum. And there's nothing better than a four-player game of that, getting a bunch of your buddies together and going to war with them. I always enjoyed that one. What about you? What kind of four-player home action did you get into? Well, when I was in college, I lived in a fraternity house for some some amount of time. And uh, we would do N64 four-player games. Uh, Goldeneye being one of the, the, the tops. Uh, we also did Mario Tennis, uh, Mario Kart. You know, so a lot of those games, racing games and, and four-player split-screen, and tennis was a huge hit uh, when we were playing it back in the day. So those type of games, anything where you're uh, in direct competition, in that type of environment, very therapeutic, among other things. You know, it's, it's funny. So many of the consoles... Uh, began shipping with four-player uh, joystick ports in there. And that sort of became the sweet spot, right? Your Xbox had it, your uh, uh, Dreamcast had it, several others. I think the, the N64 had it, yeah. uh, a GameCube. I mean, on down the line, four players was the sweet spot. It's always fun to play uh, with a bunch of people. Uh, stuff, something like Bomberman, which is not my bag, but I know it's sort of the perennial multiplayer game. It's been around for like a thousand years. Absolutely. I believe on the... I believe on the uh, uh, Saturn, you could have what up to like uh, ten players, some ludicrous amount. I think it was like a ridiculous amount of players. So it's kind of neat to see those kind of uh, so those kind of multiplayer games where you can really pile it on. But I, I think I think it gets a little bit too confusing when you get too many people. I kind of like I think four is it's just like I said, it's about the sweet spot for these suckers. So with all that said, you know we, I'll have to say, uh, Brent, we sort of and inadvertently both took a different approach this week. Uh, to the four-player games that we chose, uh, both uh, are uh, absolutely—they uh, fit the bill, but they're not beat 'em ups uh, or or puzzle games or anything like that. They're they're a little something different, man. Uh, I, I was pretty happy with both of our selections. I thought they were a little bit outside the box. Um, I will go ahead and lead the charge. All right. this week, I really pondered this quite a bit. Uh, you know, because some of my favorite games, like I said, are four-player games. Uh, your WrestleFest, uh, a, a lot of wrestling games, a lot of home wrestling games, you know, the N64 uh, wrestling scene, the No Mercies and the, the, the uh, WCW games and whatnot. Uh, and plus you've got the multi-tap games in the PlayStation. There are plenty of good four-player games, uh, four-player sports games. But I, I, I went back, I, th- I sat down and I thought to myself, what was the most fun four-player games that I ever played that were simple and were you know, kind of old. I was in that mood, you know. And so what I went with, man, was an old school classic, a stone classic, one may say, and that was Warlords, the arcade version of Warlords. And we'll get into the console versions as well. But Warlords is a game that has been around just since the dawn of time. And it's one that, uh, it, it was a game that was great when it came out. It was based on another great game. And then, got better as it got released at home. So it actually had a great, it's still growing in a certain degree. So Warlords was a game that uh, debuted in arcades in 1980, Brent. 
this was an way offering. Back. Yeah, way back. This was an offering from Atari. Uh, and Atari, really, of course, uh, Atari was on uh, was really cranking them out uh, back in the day. A lot of great classic hits. And one of their first early hits were, was your Pong-style games. Your Pong. And Pong sort of graduated into sort of a multiplayer Pongs. And then they, that sort of graduated into a breakout sort of game. So what the natural progression of those games were was what Warlords is, which is a sort of effectively a multiplayer breakout game. Uh, Atari was uh, had developed a string of hits, and they had developed a lot of good multiplayer stuff, your sprints and whatnot back in the day. So they had it; they had a good idea of how to of how to make it work. And they, this was early in the game, and they already knew that adding extra players meant more money. And yeah. so Atari, they liked that sweet, sweet cash. So again, released in the arcades in 80. This came in two different flavors, uh, Brent. You had an upright version of this, which sadly is the only one I've ever played. Uh, the upright version was black and white, and it had a color overlay. This was something that was pretty standard uh, back in, in the day. The, you know, that was the way they did it. Uh, they used to have a lot of black and white games with a color overlay. Then you also had the uh, much cooler looking uh, cocktail variety. The cocktail variety yeah. had uh, four player support, whereas the uh, the upright one only had two players. Four players is where you get your groove on in this game. It's funny. I was looking up the numbers on this thing. Uh, Atari actually split, pretty much almost split the two different types right down the middle. So get this. This surprised me because the numbers are actually kind of low. Uh, according to their uh, production numbers, they produced uh, 1,014 upright Warlord cabinets and 1,253 cocktails. So they only produced, a, you know, it was less than 2,500 of these cabinets were, were ever released. Uh, does, that, does that surprise you, that number? That's, that's pinball level numbers. That's that really is, low for a mass release. It is really low. I, I was I was surprised. Uh, when this game was in production, originally it was called Castles and Kings, and it had a huge cocktail cab that was the cab that was so big that it ended up they ended up having to re- the size reduce it because one of the problems with a game like this is that you have uh, uh, four people crowded around it if you've got the cocktail version. It's a so lot of got, floor space. Yeah, you've got to devote. I mean, really, you have to devote. I, I will say this: if you put a game like this in your arcade. You're going to have to produce four games worth of money out of it, yeah, to make up for the size. That's one of the downfalls of a game like this is that you can't do anything about it because you've got people crowded around it. And there's sprint series and stuff with the same thing. Now, these games featured uh, one button per player and a rotary control. Uh, the rotary control uh, is, or as, or as later on, it would be a paddle if you played this on like the twenty six hundred. Uh, where this thing was absolutely necessary uh, for a game like this, and I've got to say, uh, Atari uh, with these spinners, they were they did a real good job. These were good quality spinners; they felt good, and their home versions were pretty good as well. I really, I really enjoyed it. Uh, of course, you've got one button there. We'll get into why here in a minute. Now, here's something I looked up just for fun. So we've all played Warlords, and to, I'll sum up the gameplay in Warlords real quick. In four separate corners of the screen, you've got a castle, and uh, which is a, a, a made of bricks. And inside the castle uh, is, a, is a warlord, a symbol, effectively. And 
this game starts off with a dragon that flies in the middle of the screen. He breathes a fireball. And that fireball will ricochet all around the screen. Your only defense to keep the fireball from hitting and destroying some of the bricks on your castle is a shield. Uh, presumably there's a man with a shield on the outside of the castle running like a maniac around the walls, which I do like the thought of that. And so as you use the rotary dial, you will you will physically move that man around the castle. And the rotary was there to be because you needed that sort of precise control over over your character because that ball could whip around quick. Uh, yeah, yeah, having played this without the, the uh, without that rotary control, it's a much more difficult game. Even with a mouse or an analog stick, it's just not the same as having the rotary controller. So uh, once you once a fireball comes near you and you ricochet it, you also have the ability to hit the button and and grab the fireball. And once you've grabbed the fireball, you can position yourself uh, in such a way as that you can control where where the fireball shoots off. So effectively, at this point, instead of being sort of a random game where you're protecting yourself, now Warlords has become a game where you can target other players. And that's the magic of Warlords. Because deals are made. Deals are broken in Warlords. You could actually, you can purposely go after one guy repeatedly. You can just send the thing careening, or you can not even use the button at all if you don't want to. But I don't know anyone that does that. And the first person, if you're playing in the two-player, if you're playing two players, the first person who whose warlord gets killed loses. Uh, if you're playing in four players, depending on the number of players, if you're playing a one, if you're playing by yourself in four players, when you get knocked out, you're gone. Uh, if you're and if you're playing with four people, it's just whoever's last is uh, is the winner. Uh, so uh, it, the games are pretty uh, hot and hot and fast. Uh, eventually, uh, in the arcade version, a second fireball can appear. Usually. Normally, if you kill a warlord, uh, you another fireball will appear. And sometimes, yeah. if the game's stretching on, it will just appear anyway. And so you can have several fireballs careening around the screen, which was, I ought to say, hadn't played this in the arcade that much. That was kind of a surprise to me to have that much action. It gets real hot and heavy. Well, and uh, it makes sense, too, right? Yeah, Because it does. You, you've killed someone. Now, that per- you don't want that person to leave the machine. You want that person to get wait for the next game and play again. Yeah. So yeah. more fireballs equals game in faster. So, <clears throat> you know, every warlord that dies, new fireball comes out. Game will end faster than everyone can put their money back in and play again. Yeah. Let's talk about the presentation real quick in the arcade. Uh, I had, Like I said, I've only played the upright version, uh, the which is black and white. But I have to say, uh, uh, Atari were very good with these overlays, weren't they? Yeah, and, Viva uh, La Rasa. Yeah, it's, <laughs> thank you, Conan. But, I mean, they do look good, don't they? Yeah. Uh, they do a good job uh, with the overlays. Uh, the cocktail also looks good. I mean, I I, I think, uh, I, I like the, the ingenuity that these uh, classic arcade manufacturers came up with, with in terms of overlays. I always thought that was a cool, and it works. I mean, it really gives you the illusion that you of color and texture that you sure. get the graphically they could never have done on a black and white monitor in the 80s. Your thoughts? Yeah, uh, overlays are uh, something that's very overlooked, and, and they're tough. I mean, you can emulate what an overlay looks like, but yeah. you can't really get the feel. It's much different when you see an overlay in person. Uh, the shimmer to it, uh, the uh, the luminosity of it all. It, it's something that, when used correctly, is an incredible effect, even really beyond graphics 
uh, uh, certainly graphics of the time, but even the graphics of today, some of the, the depth that they get with overlays is just amazing. Do you find it odd that they would put... It's odd to me that they would put... Uh, they would give the... Uh, the cocktail, the color monitor, and the why would they? Why do you think they differentiated? I would imagine the cocktail just came out last, after the fact. Plus, nope. I mean, you want four people to play your cocktail, you make it look more impressive. Well, I mean, I'm not sure it does. I mean, look at footage of both. I mean, they both look. Cool. Oh, I think it does. I think it. I think it looks. I think it looks nice. It's. It is strange to me that they that they manufactured like that, but so be it. Uh, so just for fun. Because I've played this for years, I didn't. I don't know if you knew this, but there, but there's a backstory for this. Have you ever heard the backstory? No, I don't think I have. Allow me to. I I pulled this out of the uh, the Atari 2600 owner's manual. All right, and but this is kind of neat. And believe it or not, they actually fairly well tell what's going on. Uh, so if you'll indulge me, uh, I'm read. I am quoting from the uh, owner's manual. Once long ago, in a distant land, lived a king named Frederick. He took very good care of his subjects and, and pretty much let the kingdom run itself. That's my kind of king. One day, Fr King Frederick and his wife, Queen Christina, decided to start a family. To their surprise, Queen Christina soon gave birth to quadruplets. Quadruplets. That's what they, is that the way, is that the pronunciation, quadruplets? I think it's Quint uh, well, I don't know. We'll just Four go healthy with it. sons all at once. The qu king and queen were overwhelmed. Uh, yeah, I bet. So the kids' names were Dominic, Marcus, F Felipe, and Restivo. They grew to be young, strong men, but they were nothing like their peaceful father. They were just the opposite. The four sons of the king uh, fought constantly over anything and everything. Their fighting was so fierce that the even normally unconcerned Frederick became concerned. That's the way it's written. <laughs> <laughs> That's I like. Well said. Left to his violent and competitive sons, his peaceful kingdom could well be destroyed after he was gone, or perhaps sooner. The solution, King Frederick decided, was drastic, but he knew it had to be. Dominic, Marcus, Felipe, and Restiva were banished from their homeland and sent away to a forbidden land. There they became warlords, dividing their newly acquired territory into four equal sections, which, incidentally, was the first and last thing they ever agreed on. <laughs> Then they took to building their own castles, after which the battling resumed and never ended. They stopped catapulting fireballs and lightning balls, which are in the home version, at one another long enough to rebuild their damaged and war-torn castles. After the repairs were made, the fighting always began again with, renew with renewed ferocity. So King Frederick's warlords have been battling for centuries now. It's up to you to carry on their long-standing feud. So that's what you're doing in this game. You're carrying on the feud. Dominic, Marcus, Felipe, and Restivo have been locked inside the game program. They've stored enough fireballs <laughs> and lightning bolts so they never run out, and neither will you. They can hardly wait to battle. So good luck. You're a fierce competition. I love that. They locked the, they locked these warlords in the game cartridge. <laughs> that's my kind of weapons-grade balonium right there. That I love is. that. That's good stuff. That's some good cheese. Oh, yeah. Uh, so Warlords, uh, I guess you could say, was fairly successful. Again, you would, you know, I don't know what a, a quality run of an arcade machine in 1980 was. I mean, 1980 was early on before the, you know, before most of the huge hits. I mean, clearly this wasn't on the level of like a Space Invaders or anything, but it's hard to gauge exactly how successful it was. But it was well received, that's for sure. 
uh, amongst other things, uh, it won an, uh, you know, won our favorite award, Brent. Uh, excuse me, it, got an, it won the award for best Pong variant. If you believe it or not, that was an award. Uh, and it got an honorable mention for best competitive game at the third annual ARCI Awards. Which are, if anyone has videotape of an ARCI presentation, I would love to see it. Uh, the, uh, it also, uh, of course, got its own home cartridge, which did very, very well. In 2009, Game Informer ranked it the 25th best video game of all time. They nah, called I think it the original. A generous. They called it the original trash talking four player company. I don't. I don't disagree with that. I'm, I'm right there with it. I think this is an all time. I, I, it, it has. It has never been done better. And it was. And it's uh, the four player game. I, I'm not sure there's any game that you could say was better than this in terms of getting everybody fired up and invested in the gameplay. In my opinion, uh, it also appeared in the 1001 video games that you must play before you die. Um. <clears throat> It was named number 78 in the top 100 video games of all time by uh, Flux Magazine. And Game Informer called it number 25 of the top video games of all time. And it was a it, on a poll, and uh, it was named number 8 on the top 25 Atari 2600 games of all time. So those are pretty good accolades, Brinster, in terms of its, of, of its popularity, its lasting effect on video games. Uh, it's been this game's been uh, brought to the home many, many times. I just I, I made a little list here of all the places this thing's appeared. So get this. Of course, you had the Atari uh, arcade version, the 2600 version. This game uh, was on the PlayStation, the GBA, the Dreamcast, the Xbox, PlayStation 2, the Engage, the Nintendo DS, Windows, the PSP, Xbox Live had like a version of it. Uh, the PlayStation Network. It's been on iOS and Android. This is again. It's, it's been around the block, uh, Brent. What are your What are your memories of playing Warlords? Do you remember when you first saw it? And do you remember uh, playing this on the twenty six hundred? What do you What's your What's your opinion? Let's have it. I don't like it. R- you're kidding me. No, are you just, serious? Just like uh, Pong and Arkanoid and all these types of games, it just doesn't appeal to me. And it's not that it's a bad game. I'm certainly not saying that. Um, it has some incredible design elements that are are uh, really noteworthy. For example, if when you capture a fireball, if you just sit there and hold it, it spins on your shield, and the sparks actually damage your own castle. That's a good way to keep the game moving. That's very uh, 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 well thought out by the developers. But, fan. Uh, Arkanoid games, Pong games, these things just don't do it for me. Uh, even when you've got uh, multiple people sitting around, I, I, I never feel like I have the level of control that I want. And even with being able to capture the ball, that certainly helps. This is probably one of my favorite Pong slash Arkanoid slash breakout type of games. Uh, I do wish there were some kind of power-up system, but I understand they've already got a lot going on. Just not my thing, man. It never has been. These games, just the breakout things have no appeal to me. You know, I I really am surprised to hear you say that. And by surprised, I mean you're dumb. No. This is an all-time classic. I I, I didn't say it was a bad game. I just said it was a game I enjoyed. There's a difference there. This isn't, yes, this is Pong-esque. But I mean, there's so well, it's, much more it's going more breakout on. It's, to me than Pong. 
but I mean, there's it. There, there, the elements of being able to team up with people, the ability to use the power stone button to to capture the fireball and shoot it in different directions. I mean, I, I love you as a. Have you played? Maybe you haven't played enough of this. As, no, in a multiplayer I've played element. it plenty. I've played it plenty. It's just these type of games don't appeal to me. I, there's you can't be like, oh, Brett, your opinion's wrong. I'm not saying this game sucks. It's the worst thing ever. It's just not a game that appeals to me. Uh, and I, I think say, the design elements of it are are fine. I think the uh, 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 graphics are incredible for the time period. Uh, and I'm not saying it's a bad game. I'm just saying it is not a game that I personally enjoy. Ah, uh, Brent, your opinions are wrong. I can't say it. I just did. <laughs> uh, I did look up some reviews on this. Uh the all the uh, all gamers guide in '98 give this an 80. percent The Atari Times, uh, and which is pretty reputable, in 2014 gave this an 80, and they said it would have gotten it higher, but it it stinks with one player. Which you know, it I will say the computer when you play this the four player version this with one player, the computer just beats the, beats the tar out of you relentlessly. They're not they're not kind. Uh, with the with the beatdown that goes on, but overall, I, I will say I think I've always thought this was a real fun game, and I really enjoyed it. And I do think it's one of the all time great games of all the times of all I, the video I, games. And I, that I, I don't even, I wouldn't even put it in my top hundred. It's I, it's an all time. I mean, if you look at the all time great multiplayer games, this was like this in some ways. This does remind me of Worms, not in gameplay, but in just the the, the feeling you get. And the hate you have, and the love you have, the alliances you make and break—that's what's great about it. And, and you know? if you're going to narrow down the list to say the the hundred top multiplayer games of all time, okay, maybe it makes the list then. But top hundred games of all time. Listen, do you put Breakout or Pong on your top one hundred games of all time? Uh, I would probably put Arkanoid because Arkanoid. Arkanoid I like Arkanoid, the, but this is better. Well, Arkanoid took the concept and really expanded on it. I mean, the power-ups and the different types of blocks and the uh, uh, the enemies that come on screen, I think they that really advanced the genre to something to appeal to people uh, both who love that type of game and who don't like that type of game. That's why I will sit down and occasionally play Arkanoid, even though it would certainly not be my first choice. Listen, That's I why like I think Ar- that game uh, deserves higher praise than this, because while this is innovative, not denying that for the time, uh, it's not innovative enough to me. Well, I, I disagree. I do like, don't get me wrong, I like Arkanoid and Revenge of Doe. I think they're great games, but they're totally different games than this. This is a this is a four-player party game, and one of the best, in, like I said, in my opinion. I will say most of the, my experience with this was the 2600 version, which, again, it was sort of before your time in a lot of ways. The And I, we used to play the crap of this. You get, some, you get yourself some paddles. Of course, the paddles, you could have uh, two paddles per joystick port, so this is four players at home. And this was great. And it was one of the few games you could play four players uh, back in those days. It was just a lot of fun. Uh, we did not get any Discord action on this one. I did look this up on the eBay uh, real quick before we move along. So get this. There were no there were no arcade cabinets for sale, and none had sold. Like I said, these are pretty rare, so I'm not terribly surprised <laughs> by that. I thought I found one, but someone was selling it reproduction glass 
the glass alone on the cocktail version was two hundred fifty-five bucks, which that's high. That's dollar. insane for reproduction. Well, it was. I mean, it was top quality. But you got to think how many of these things are. How many times you're going to come across arcade uh, cocktail glass uh, from nineteen eighty? That's going to be in good shape. It's probably gonna be pretty rare. Uh, I've got a. I've got an arcade machine cocktail from nineteen below before nineteen eighty, and the glass is in rough shape. I know what what the, what it goes. Uh, you can get. Uh, the marquee for fifteen bucks U.S. You can get the sealed Atari cartridge uh, if you want to put it on the twenty six hundred. You can get it for twenty five bucks. I would recommend if you get it for the uh, twenty six hundred, you've got to have paddles. There is no joystick. Oh yeah, you would never want to play some paddle. Uh, the flyer, or the arcade flyer, which is pretty cool looking, fit is fifteen bucks. So that stuff's out there. If you want to get the actual arcade machine, good luck, pal. <laughs> and, and I would highly recommend. This is a game that uh, I would not recommend someone load up alone to play uh yeah. you're certainly not going to get where the fun of the game is alone yeah but if you've got a couple people sitting around uh this I, I would highly recommend this is something that i would uh find a way to acquire or play one way or another if you've got a group of people interested in this type of game yeah because alone effectively it is competitive breakout that's yeah. what you know you it, it shines in multiplayer and so that that is part of the rub so there you go, Warlords. Again, one of my all-time faves. So, Brent, let's move on. Uh, you uh, went outside the box here in a big way, and you puzzled us for a little while, but you were very shrewd and cunning on your selection this week. What do you got for us? I took the arcade three-player classic Ivan Iron Man Stewart's Super Off-Road and kicked it up a notch for the four-player NES version. Yes, the only version that you can play of this game that is four player is on the Nintendo Entertainment System with the multi-tap. Who yeah. knew? <laughs> Who knew? I had no idea about this until you mentioned it. And, and I think that uh, one of the reasons why the Nintendo version got away with this was it was released a year later than most of the other ports. And I think it needed something to, to stand out. Plus, this was during the era where pushing the multi-tap uh, was it the worst idea in the world? So, uh, the two things come together at the right time. So, uh, I'm just going to call this Super Off-Road from here on out. Uh, the Ivan Iron Man Stewart title was eventually dropped for a lot of the later releases due to uh, copyrights. And if you don't know who Ivan Iron Man Stewart is, he is a uh, truck racing circuit god. Uh Back from the 70s, he's still alive today. Uh, he raced for like almost three decades and won everything you can imagine winning. Uh, one of the best, cer certainly one of the memor most memorable in the sport. And it must be gratifying for him because everyone on earth that plays video games know his name. Yeah. Know all the retro gamers. And I don't know Jack Squat. I couldn't name <laughs> yeah. him the truck driver, you know, with BJ the Bear. That's it. I don't know. So this guy, he's a very lucky truck, man. <laughs> I mean, even with skateboarding, like I know more than just Tony Hawk. Yeah. And Dave Iron Man Stewart, this is like this is his baby, man. Yeah. He's got he's he's immortalized. And he was he is literally uh uh he he knew what he was doing. A, not only was he incredible uh, at at his chosen sport, but he was a showman and, and uh, a talker and knew how to play the game. That's why he's got his own video game. And he was a showman, which, huh? He's like, was he real charismatic? I mean, well, I've never he, even he, seen he was him charismatic. The game. Yeah, okay. Uh, he was also he had uh, either 
either he was a smart businessman or he had a smart businessman working for him. I'm not sure which. Um, but this got ported to a billion different systems. I just want to run down them real quick. Of course, you've got the arcade release. And then you've got the Amiga, the Amstrad CPC, the Atari ST, the Commodore 64, DOS release, Game Boy, Game Gear, Linux, Master System, Genesis, NES, Super NES, ZX Spectrum. Also, there have been ports for uh, a variation of this game uh, in the Xbox uh, Live Arcade. And there was going to be a Jaguar port, but they pulled it at the last second. So this is a, a game that has spanned, I mean, that's a lot of generations of consoles and computers. Plus, it is a, a, a wide variety of success and failure stories. Uh, the Linux port of this is the absolute worst trash I've ever seen. Uh, somehow, they've they've taken a simple concept and completely ruined it. Some of the portables couldn't have all this track on one screen. Uh, so you've got it scrolling around. You know, you got to do it, right? But the Linux version is like, literally, it's like seven or eight frames a second. It's absolutely dreadful. Um, other successful ports of this, the Amiga port is really good. Of course, the Super Nintendo incorporated more tracks and that's something they actually did in the arcade for this game as well. They had a uh, track pack, which was an additional PCP that attaches to the device that, that opens up eight more tracks. And some of the later consoles, like the Super Nintendo, were able to get those tracks at home. So, But that's not what we're here for. We are here for the NES version because it does one thing that no other version, not even the original version, can do, and that's play four-player simultaneous with the NES satellite or the NES 4-score, which, for those that don't know, is an adapter that you hook into your Nintendo to take your two controller ports and expand them to four controller ports. Uh, this was not a successful add-on. There are only a handful of games that support it. And this is really one of the most uh, uh, notable because it actually expands on the original idea of the arcade version. So in Super Off-Road, you drive a truck around a stationary course. It's a one-screen course. And you, uh, it's sort of like Sprint, if you're familiar with that. And its claim to fame is it's not flat surfaces. You've got these dirt piles and jumps and these tight turns. And it's just complete madness. It, it has tracks that are in X's where you have to uh, pass through each other as, as you're traveling around. Uh, it's got other courses where you have to weave in and out of the track. And it all boils down to the most impressive upgrade system. Also, the first upgrade system to actually use money as its upgrade component. You could upgrade your truck and buy nitrous. And that is the only other button on this cabinet is the nitrous button, which allows you to kick your car into high gear from for a momentary burst of speed that sends your truck flying across the screen. And if you do it in a corner, you just fly right in the wall. There's no saving it. And then you have to kind of hobble back from your zero speed to get going again. In the arcade, this was absolute madness. Uh, it had 
a, a steering wheel on it that had no left or right extremes. You could just spin the thing endlessly. And it was awesome. Uh, in the home version of this, especially in the Nintendo, they capture some of that feel. Uh, of course, they can't capture the wind, the wind uh, steering wheel spinning feel, but they can capture that great nitrous action where you hit the nitrous and your truck just goes flying. Now, Aaron, I know you've played this in the arcade because I've played it with you, but had you ever played the NES version before uh, this week? I had not played the NES version, I have to say. I have not played it until this week. What did you think about it? It's it's not good, frankly. Uh, in fact, it's it's the worst I've played, to be honest. Wow. Now, so hold, you don't let, know what gaming is. Hear me out. Gotcha. Hear me out. I love I love uh, Iron Man Stewart's Off-Road. I love it. Super uh, Off-Road. Get it right I, and show it respect. My bad. My bad. Uh, it's super. Uh, I love it, the arcade. There's nothing better than getting in one of those three steering wheel cabinets with your buddies. I remember doing this at arcade party uh, we were at. I've done it. My buddy actually owned this and uh, sitting around. In fact, I had two of my local arcade buddies that owned uh, each had one of these because they're so popular. And yes. even today, used to these are money maker. It always was. Yeah, it's a simple concept. The upgrade thing is fun because you you get your new new engines, new tires. If you play it long enough, they've got the bikini girl there holding the trophy, whole nine yards. It's it's got a great fun. It's in some ways it's a lot like a Warlords. This is the kind of game which is crazy madness. You're having a good time. You're screaming. You're having to, it's fun. It's quick. Uh, but and the, I will say the the Nintendo the NES version looks good. You know it sounds okay. It comes up. You've got the four players. You know, that, that, all that stuff's great. In fact, everything about this is great, except for the actual game. The game, one thing about Super Off-Road is, is when you play it, you actually, you actually uh, are, it's, it's, a, it's a crazy madcap race. You're hauling tail. You're hitting those turbo buttons, and your car literally flies across the screen like, like uh, it got shot out of a cannon. And that's what makes the game fun. Despite the fact that you're going to hit some off-road uh, obstacles along the way, you're moving at a good clip, and for the most part, you just you just kind of rumble them over. In the NES version, this road—I don't know where—I don't know what they did to this particular track, but it, it literally cuts your speed in half. I mean, you go super slow across this thing. It's nonstop, uh, jacked-up uh, uh, path in front of you. And what that does effectively is it makes your it, it slows the game down. I mean, if you're watching the game footage here, you can see. Look at these cars. Like if you watch the arcade version of this, these things are whipping around like mad. Like it's crazy. In the Nintendo version, it's just incredibly slow. Now I have a theory behind it. My theory is the Nintendo could not push four players at the ar arcade speed, and so what they did was they they just basically made it so the track slowed you down like you wouldn't believe. You know, and I thought, well, maybe it's because later on you really get going quicker when you upgrade, and they've just made a, 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 the slope a little bit more, you know, sleeper. No, it, I, I played this for a good while, and it just you never really get going any quicker than this. Something else I don't like is the sound because they they've actually programmed into the sound to make it sound like you're it's like you're driving on gravel or something. This sound sucks. The, it's the just, sound the, is bad. The sound effects yeah. are... It's not because the sound itself is horrible. It's fine. It's just that you hear it so much. Yeah. Also, I'm always amused when you hear uh, 
when you hear uh, tire skidding and stuff on dirt, yeah. so that, uh, I call that the that's an Ed Wood special, and a lot of old old directors that would have a car slam with the brakes in the middle of the desert, and you'd hear that screech of the tires. I always thought that was funny, but I mean, this is like if you took Dave Iron Man Stewart's super off road and like put it on the moon or or somewhere where where or in or maybe Indianapolis, you know, where the roads are so destroyed that you can't actually build up any speed. And that's the point of the game is to go fast. It's too slow. Uh, I've played a lot of the other versions. Of course, I've played the Amiga version extensively. And this, this, I don't think I've ever played one that was like this. It's, I was really, I was surprised, frankly. I wanted to love it, but I don't love it. I didn't like it at all. I, I am stunned at how inaccurate your description is. I'm wondering if we played the same game. Oh, we did. the game is plenty fast. It leaves now. Your your basic pace uh, of driving around is slower than the arcade. I'm not yeah. going to deny that. Oh yeah. But when you hit the nitrous button, and later in the game, uh, after uh, after about track, I don't know twenty, and your car is fully upgraded, and then all you have to spend your money on is more nitrous. You eventually get to the point where you nitrous ninety percent of the tracks. I like when you're going around it. And when you nitrous in this game, the boost of speed feels incredibly good. Incredibly good. Yeah, because it, you've been going so slow for so long. No, it's it, like, oh boy. Well, <laughs> but that's the thing. In the from track, I don't know how long you play it. I'm gonna assume that you only played it like five or six tracks. Because when you no, get no, to I about track, quite a bit. Hey, when you, you get to about to track to twenty and you're just nitrousing continuous all the way around the track. And you're flying off these jumps, and the speed is ridiculous. Ridiculous. It's over-the-top ridiculous how fast they push the nitrous. So the speed on this is inc- – I, I, I don't know how you can dispute it. When you first turn on the game, and you have no upgrades, and you're on track one, the game is slow. And it's supposed to be slow because it's trying to let you learn how to play. But by – by race 14 or 15, uh, you should be fully upgraded. And by race 20, you should have 99 nitros. And you're just flying down the track. Mach 10, no stopping. And your truck's bouncing all over the place. And you still have to be strategic about it. Because you can't just nitrous into a corner. Because you're just going to hit the wall and you're going to skid out of control. But if you have everything, once you get the rhythm of it, I think I've raced to like track... I think I lost at track 35. Wow, uh, I didn't get that far. That's pretty and, good. And that was, that was because I got cocky, and I wanted to see if I could do a, a race con- just hitting the nitrous, not even using the gas pedal. I could not. I failed. Uh, so there is some strategy about the game. And the computer opponents, they don't cheat, but they do have uh, – Mario Kart intelligence. Yeah, they stay competitive, uh, that's for sure. <clears throat> which means that they, if they're losing, they magically get faster to keep it competitive. And if you fall way back, they actually slow down. Uh, but, it, so it's always a competitive race. Oh, actually, I hate that. I hate that type of AI. But you playing this game, I can't imagine how much fun this would be because I never got to play this four-player back in the day. But I can't imagine how much fun this would have been. This would have been a, 
in my opinion, this would have been unequal to Mario Kart uh, or any other four-player racing game. Plus, I love this style of racing game, the single screen where you uh, uh, have this bird's-eye view of the track. And on this game, it works so well because of all of the obstacles that you have to be mindful of. The dirt piles and stuff really bounce your truck around, so you have to avoid them. Absolutely love this game. I think it is a great NES game. Uh, I also looked at it on the Spectrum. It does okay on the Spectrum. Mm -hmm. Um, Colors are a bit of a disaster, but the gameplay itself is pretty good. I also took a look at this uh, on the arcade, which of course is awesome. If you if you find this in an arcade, setting out in front of a, a, a shopping center or something, put a quarter in it. You're gonna love it. Uh, I also took a look at this on the Amiga, where I've played it for the Amiga, and the Amiga version of this is top notch. Yeah. However, yeah. none of that matters if you want to play four players because you have to do it on the NES. Which means I wouldn't be playing four players much because I'm. Listen, I'm not saying this game is such a dud that you should never play it. If you've got an NES, you got the four players. That's great. All I'm saying is, it's perpetual. It's just it's too much slower than what I'm used to. It's and too much. It's just like I said. It's, it feels like you're driving on gravel the whole time. And, and I played. I didn't. No, I did not get a level 35. But I, I got. I got up past level 14, 15. And it, and it, I mean, it just, it, I don't like the feel of it, man. Especially, and then I went up, what I made the big mistake was after I played this for a while, I'm like, you know, maybe my memory's failing me. And I went over uh, to, and played the arcade version, and it was as zippy and as fun as I well, remembered it. Exactly the same. Of course, the, the arcade version is better. Yeah, but the home versions I played this are pretty similar to the arcade. That's the whole point. You're uh, not supposed to make it different, you're supposed to make it similar. Point. Well, I think it's I think it's certainly similar enough. It's got uh, a weird feel to it that I, that I had trouble with, and the like I said, the sound was grating. The sound yeah, the, on this the was sound grating. was bad. This is the game where you're just going to put on some hard rock music in the background and, and pretty much ignore the sound because it is it is trash. You know, uh, I, it's I not looked, trash. It's just it doesn't make sense. To I looked something up on this, and I wanted to get you. I I don't even know if you paid attention to it. I, I looked at see who developed this. And according to what I saw, this was this was developed for the NES by Rare. Is that correct? Well, it was technically developed by Leland Corporation and Rare. Yeah, I, and uh, all the everyone else had a different uh, a different developer. It was uh, Graft Gold for all the other ports. So this right. was unique. but not for the not for the NES. Correct. Yeah, and so there there. And lies something right. So you've got a, a different developer than of everything else, you know. And Graph going up from here with from the Amiga, you know, they're up and down. Uh, but like I said, the Amiga versus this, I, I enjoy a lot more, uh, frankly. But that's just me, you know. If well, you like the Amiga version of this game, Aaron, uh, got ranked the 35th best game of all time by Amiga Power. Yeah. Uh, the Spectrum version, which I mentioned, uh, was voted number 47. And the Your Sinclair Readers Top 100 Games of All Time, yeah, and they're they're both both of those are incredibly good versions. Um, one other thing I want to mention is uh, if you are going to look at the arcade version, uh, the track pack is um, is a must. It, yeah, it has some of the best tracks. It really goes above and beyond. It I believe it adds eight additional tracks. And it has uh, where you can play as a tr- you can race as a truck or a dune buggy, yeah, which is kind of yeah. neat. That is neat. I like that. And yeah. if you're looking for that in a home version 
you got to go Super NES. I think it was the only one to get all 16 tracks. Most of these were limited to eight tracks. And then some of the later uh, console versions had 12. But the Super Nintendo has 16. Uh, so Very really, good. it's it's odd that depending on what you want out of the game, uh, you have to get different versions. If you wanted four-player action, you had to go Nintendo. If you wanted all the tracks, you had to go Super Nintendo. Uh, it's odd that they released it like that, but apparently it worked because uh, this game, obviously a fan favorite to many, many people out there. Uh, it did have a sequel. And it was super off-road, the Baja. And <clears throat> it went to a 3D perspective, kind of behind the the behind the cab. No, no, not the same game. No. Too different and, and not nearly as fun. Yeah, uh, I've played that. I didn't like it. Yeah, yeah, I've played it well and, and agreed. I also didn't like it. Don't mess with the formula, dude. You know when what I mean? They, when they lost the uh, Ivan Iron Man Stewart license uh they replaced his name with one of the designers names and they actually did that for all of the versions on all of the other cars because all the other cars are named the ones that you aren't playing and they all have names of developers and like that like like sam the lightning pal or david uh the trucker wise that type of thing so all those names that you see on the side of the cabinets or in manuals, depending on what version you're playing, are developers. I thought that was kind of neat. That's that's an overstep. I, I don't like that. Get, Why? You're, because. Don't, just don't name them. Don't put your names in there. That's No, lame. I completely disagree. That's not lame. That's, I don't like that. Because if that's you lame. name one guy, right? Listen, you're telling me that, okay, do you know who Dave Iron Man Stewart is? Yes. Do I know who Bill from Accounting is? No. I don't want his name on my freaking game. Give me the guy that made off-road racing famous. Not some goof. I want no, the no, actual Aaron. guy. They, oh, but they lost the license. What are they going to well, do? Well, tough. Just don't put a name. Don't put your producer name on there. That's Aaron, crap. This was... This was... the uh, Boy. You know who you sound like right now? You sound like old EA and old Atari. We don't want them to know who made the game. We don't want them to know. Don't give them any credit. Boo for them. Listen, Horrible. if I lost the Horrible. WWF license, right, I'm not going to replace Hulk Hogan with Aaron, uh, Mr. Fantastic Dowdy. It's lame. Even if I worked on the game, it's an insult. No. No. No, it's not old man. I'm not saying not give the guys credit. There's giving the guys credit, and then there's putting the guys, the marquee guy. People are going to think this guy's a top-shelf truck racer, and he's some geek who programmed the game. I don't I like the geek. I completely disagree. A, yeah. I Frank Thomas, Big Hurt, baseball, nah. <clears throat> Get Frank Thomas out of there. Joe Smith, the coffee boys, Big Hurt, baseball. You can see, when you look at it that way, it's, it, it gives you more perspective on it. Yeah, it makes me think, wow, you are a true idiot instead of just kind of one. Yeah, get this out of here. I think this extra hour of sleep fried your brain. No, I'm just saying, that's. <laughs> I can't believe you're endorsing that. I don't endorse it, no. I, I don't 100% like that. endorse it. Anytime the developers can get their name in the game and it, it, it makes sense, I'm It doesn't it. make sense. I, I'm, I agree, but that doesn't make sense. You know, someone mentioned Archie McLean uh, did it. He did. 
he did it for his like pool and stuff. That's fine. But he did, he didn't. It wasn't called like uh, it, he didn't do it for something that he has isn't involved in. You know, that's different. This had a, a real guy's name on it. I don't like that. No, I don't like it. You're insane. There you go. You're insane. No. Well, this ARG presents produced by some two guys. Don't try to figure out who we are. Screw all that. What do you mean? Our Give names me aren't break. on this show anywhere. <laughs> okay, from now on, this is Aaron Dowdy presents ARG featuring Brent. How's that? That would be awesome. I would love to be featured. Yeah, I would love to have someone worth featuring talking. That's it. But we both well, have Aaron, the it's a two-man show, and we have to have you on there somewhere. That's so. right. <laughs> Someone's going to work the board. Did you get any reviews or money on anything on this? <laughs> no. I tried to get people to pay me for what I say, but they didn't do it. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Fair enough. Let's get this. Let this, this train's careening off the cliff. <laughs> yeah, are you done with super off-road, Brent? Yeah, I would highly <laughs> recommend... Uh, emulating this game, especially the arcade version, or if you're looking for a, a more console-friendly version uh, with controllers, I would take a look at the Super Nintendo first. And of course, if you're gonna if you're wanting to play with four players, you got to go NES. If you want to play the geriatric version that's slower than Christmas, play the NES version. Let's hit the wheel. Yeah. All right, man. Listen, we've got several additions to the wheel this week. Let's go over them, shall we? I got the I'm wheel right here. I'm afraid if you're going to spin the thing, you're going to break your hip. That's you got that right. I'm going to break your hip if you don't start that crap. <laughs> so, <laughs> good comeback, man. <laughs> listen, we've added uh, for the throwback piece this week, Turbo Graphics 16. That's the retro rewind piece. I'm sorry, I don't know all of your all the vernacular that you installed. You here. named it. Uh, we've got the PlayStation. As our new piece, controversial, Brent, the PlayStation, but it's here. Yeah, It's here on the wheel. You have, a, you have a thought? What would you like to see this week, Brent? Not PlayStation. You know, I, why does everybody hate the PlayStation? That's not wrong I don't that. hate the PlayStation. Right. It was a monumental, incredible uh, uh, jolt for gaming. I just don't want to play it. All right, here we go. Here we go. I'm going to spin this sucker. Are you ready? Here we go. I want to play a little uh, PlayStation. That sounds good to me. Since I'm the heel this week. I'm the heel on this show. The winner. The Amstrad Mega PC, Brent. Oh, no. Is that the console, the Amstrad? Amstrad? The Amstrad. You put this on here, pal. But you, you need to pull your mic, pull your mic back over. What is your thoughts? I wouldn't say anything. What were your thoughts on the... Uh, tell us what you know about the Amstrad the Amstrad Mega PC, Brent. Well, it's certainly written on that little piece of paper. So that pretty right much here, sums yeah. up my knowledge of it. That's great. Another piece where you know anything, nothing, nothing about <laughs> it. So that's... That's going to be something. It says here, and the people in the chat, no, it's the Amstrad PC with a Mega Drive built in. Oh, oh I believe. Awesome. Uh, uh, I have seen one of these. So what does that mean? We're going to be playing a Mega Drive game? Is that what effectively what that means? No, we're going to be reviewing the Amstrad Mega PC uh -huh. and picking a game from its incredible library, which I'm sure it has. You're talking about, but, you're, but they say this plays... The, the the mega part of this is that it plays Mega Drive games. If that's what so you want to pick, are we playing Mega right Drive ahead. games, or are we playing Amstrad P PC games? We're playing anything that goes on that system. So it's wide open here. That's right. Anything. 
fair enough. Fair enough. Hey, listen, before we shut this thing down, and we got to shut you, it down you, quick. You're going to apologize? No. That's, that's <laughs> awful sweet of you, Aaron. I'm not going to apologize for being right. I accept your apology. On behalf of, uh, of myself, I apologize for Brent. Anyway, uh, I want to draw your attention uh, ever forward to December 12th, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It will be happening, Brent, as I MC the uh, second meeting of the International Computer Club. It's going to yes. be awesome. It's going to be a full house. We've got a, a slated, uh, uh, we've got a slate of tons of info coming out. I've already gotten some of it in. Ready to, I've got it primed up, ready to play. We got videos. We got presentations, Brent. We're going to have lots of fiery chat. I'm going to be in. I'm going to be just as fired up then as I am now. I'm going to go in there, guns blazing. Get this <laughs> you're, international- so you're going to insult all of the international computer clubs? Every as well? single one of them in a Don Rickles style beatdown right across the board. I'm just going to. I'm an insult comic now. I don't know if I mentioned that to you. It's going to be great. No, I'm going to be peaceful because we're promoting international peace. You so are really, an insult to comics. I do agree. Go, going in there, guns blazing, probably would not, not would not be a good thing for the international <laughs> international computer club. No, it's a friendly a friendly place where we're going to get together and talk about classic computers and uh, retro video games. Hey, if you want to join us for this live, uh, we will be uh, broadcasting on Twitch. Uh, again, this is uh, next Saturday, uh, de- December 12th at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And if you are a member of the Amigos uh, Discord, uh, you, you are invited to participate uh, via Zoom. Uh, you, you, we'd be more than happy to have you in there and get, you get your uh, get your nickels worth in. So uh, feel free to uh, head over to the Discord, and I will be posting the Zoom link uh, there in the Discord if you want to yep. join up with us. Everyone's invited to watch it. I did not attend, but I watched the first International uh, Computer Club, and I will have to say it was incredibly informative and uh, very entertaining to watch. So I I am looking forward. I unfortunately don't know how much I'm going to be able to catch of this one. It just doesn't mesh up with my schedule, but I am definitely going to give it as much watch as I can because it is a heck of a good time. That's right. We always have a good time with it. It's always good and fun. And I'm hoping, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I was a little nervous running the last one. It was complicated. And so I'm nervous again, but less nervous. I think it'll be fun. And the, what makes this thing go are the great people that we have participating. I can tell you right now, I think we've got six different things lined up. I'd like to bring this thing in uh, in a couple hours, but last time it ran about three. So I would say it'll be two to three hours of hot, hot international goodness so any uh parting thoughts before we take this thing to the house no i think that's gonna wrap it up for this week aaron i think uh i think everyone should be looking forward to next week and for the computer club and the next amigos and all the other good stuff that happens on our channel absolutely and we'd like to thank all the folks that showed up in chat today we appreciate it again we are now uh on live come watch us live every sunday morning 10 a.m eastern standard time for more peace, love, and goodwill exchanged between me and my brother, the Brent. Until next week, we bid you a fond good day. Thanks for joining us today. We really hope you enjoyed the show. Hello to our YouTube subscribers and our Twitch followers. A special thank you to Duncan Styles for our vector graphics and Bartbit for an amazing closing theme. Want to help keep ARG spinning for as little as a dollar a month? You can do so at our new Patreon. 
at patreon.com slash ARG presents just like these fine folks Ram W. Vetke Rolo Olaf Hope Anthony Jarvis Terry Howard Gary Heather John Schaller The Slow Morris Frodo NL Steve Rechmason Bernhard Lucas Chris Folds Mitsuyama Jason Warns Rob Black O'Hara Andy Craig Dave Velociraptor Retroalogy Hermsky John Dykeman Jerry Dennington Z9K9 and Mr. B Don't want to explain another credit card bill? That's okay too You can help us out by leaving us a positive review on Spotify or Apple iTunes Have an idea for a wheel piece? Email it to us at argpresents at mail.com we film live every Sunday, 10 a.m. DDT on Twitch. Hope to see you there.